0: com talk-time-live.com. talktimelive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktimelive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things acmg talk live
1: hey there this is kyle Hebert, the voice of gohan from dragon ball super and you are listening to acmg presents talktime live excuse me gohan this is more of a narrator type thing Uh, okay. Just do it more like a, next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan.
0: It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Tribute Games is responsible for some amazing retro games like Panzerpolitan, uh, Mercenary King, Steel Assault, m- many of which I've played and enjoyed, just to name a few, which leads me to my next guest. He is the script writer and narrative director for Tribute Games, critically acclaimed hit, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, which is out now for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox, and Steam. His name is Yannick Bezel and or Bazel, I should say, right? Am I saying it right? It's it's Belzil, but it's it's fine. It's fine. Belzil, We'll go with that. And he is here to talk about the game and much more. Please welcome Yannick to Talk Time Live. Yannick, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's the first time I'm going on the show that uh, uh, describes uh, the game as critically acclaimed. And that feels nice. It's nice to hear in this uh, Monday morning. So uh, I'm great. I would think
0: after all the reviews that I'm sure you've seen, (laughs) it's it's, it's pretty much across the
1: board. Yeah, it, it's it, uh, we're really, really lucky that it's uh, that it found uh, its audience, and the audience uh, takes the game in the spirit in uh, which it was made, which is with uh, a lot of love for yeah. the turtles, for the beat 'em ups. So yeah, yeah, we're really thrilled about the uh, critical response and the fan response so far. That has really been uh, generous. Uh, it's it's like uh, we we're getting our flowers without it being our funeral. So <laughs> it's wonderful.
0: Well said. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to because considering the nature of what you were making it for, whenever the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are announced for anything, there the 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 fandom for this is amazing. It's like every time I think the last time we got we saw a hype like this before you guys did it was um WB Games with Nether Studios and they announced that the Turtles was going to be on Injustice 2. And you saw the reaction from around the world by that announcement it was just crazy and like this is kind of the same type of vibe when it when this was announced uh a while back and now it's here and man what an amazing game that you guys have done i gotta say man it's it really as a person who originally played it in arcades and in, in uh in the 90s it really hit home and uh first before we get into any questions great job on everybody in the team for that one
1: i uh, will i'll uh transfer your thanks to the rest of the team but yeah yeah <laughs> we're all really proud of what we've done and uh it's You know, we've done, you've mentioned a lot of the games that we made that we are really proud of and that we worked really hard on, Yeah. but um, they don't all get uh, that uh, reception. And that, of course, is part because uh, people love the turtles and people were waiting for the turtles. So uh, sometimes you put all of your heart in a game and it has, you know, good critical buzz. It has a milder or softer reaction, but people are enjoying it. So it feels really good to uh, have one where there's so much more reaction.
0: Well, I can tell you this right now. Like As a person who actually has followed your company and the games that you've played, like I said, those games that I mentioned, I'll say it again, uh, Panzer Paladin, Mercenary King, Still Assault. These are great retro style games that I think if you love what what you got from the Turtles, you're going to love those games because they pay homage to a lot of Game sort of, especially Steel Assault, because that gave me like Bionic Commando vibes, and I really enjoyed Um, that.
1: Steel Assault is from another studio called uh, Zenovia, but it's our first published title. So it's the first time that uh, another uh, studio came to us and wanted uh, sort of our uh, experience and know how to help how to make uh, the game. give it a better fighting shape and helping yeah. it, uh, publishing it. And it was a really great experience. Uh, yeah. It was, it was, and and a it's a lot, lot of
0: fun too. So, you know, kudos to that. So we're going to, in, in reference to the uh, the new project <laughs> that mm-hmm. you guys are working on, what were your thoughts, your personal thoughts, when you heard that you and the Tribute team was going to be working on this project?
1: Um, it was really exciting, but also we thought it's about time because we uh, had been chasing the turtles for years and um, it just hadn't happened uh, because again, like uh, we are an independent studio. So, uh, and a bunch of us have worked, like if uh, your audience doesn't know, like uh, there's a really big uh, video game industry in Montreal. Like mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, Ubisoft, we have EA, we have uh, a Square Enix place. We, yeah. we have like a whole bunch of uh, big studios. And in the shadow of these uh, big studios, there's a lot of uh, indie developers because what will happen is that sometimes um, like a lot of us attribute games, you go work for a big company for five, seven years. You like, I like making games, but I wish I was making my own games and not being a cog in a huge machine. So you leave and you go, you, you, you start your own studio with uh, other like-minded people. Um, And so we I say we. I wasn't there at the foundation, but I was there for a lot of tribute games. Uh, um, we wanted to create our own games with our own characters, yeah. but it, we always said, like, especially like one of our co-founders said, like, there's two things that we could never say no to, and that's TMNT and Mega Man. Like, yeah. if we have the chance to do these, like, we have. <laughs> it's okay to not do original characters if we get to work on these. So. Right. We, we chased uh, 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 TMNT a, a couple of times and it just, sometimes it almost happened. Sometimes right. it just didn't happen, but it took us uh, teaming up with creating a, p- a pitch with .MU who are our uh, publishers. Yeah. On that title, uh, it, it came us coming together and making a pitch and uh, that being approved. So, but the thing is, when you, you knock at the door at a big company, uh, as it had happened for us before, like you don't know what you're gonna be told. So right. sometimes you're we're, we're like, oh, we're trying again for turtles. We're like, cool, right. but then you sort of have to put it out of your mind because you don't know if it's going to happen again. So right. when we learned that it was going to happen, that was very very exciting, and uh, yeah, that was a thrill, and we got we all were really excited because uh, we love not. Be- not only the beat-em-up genre like the beat-em-up format is something yeah. that i mean i feel like attribute like down the line we would have made a beat-em-up anyways it just right, happened right. that by getting by getting uh the turtle license we're like oh we're doing it now and we <laughs> are doing it with the best possible license to right. do it and um also we love it so much i mean uh it's Playing the arcade game for the first time in the arcades for me as a kid was a very very special experience. It right. was the first time that I felt I was really stepping into uh, the thing that a game was adapting in a in such like a vivid and explosive it was the cl- way. like
0: I, I can I can agree with that. At the time, it was like the closest video game that you ever played that really mimicked what you saw in the in the, in the actual cartoons, an '87 cartoon and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I never saw anything
0: like that before up until that point.
1: The first time you grab a pizza and you hear the voice saying pizza time and the voice, (laughs) you know, when you listen to those voices, they both sound like all of the turtles, but none of the turtles from the cartoon at the same time. (laughs) But when you listen to it as a kid, it's like, this is precisely Raphael. I know it. Mm -hmm. And it's just so exciting. So um, that has always been like a high water benchmark for me. And for all of us, like, as a way to adapt a a, a property into a game. But it's also a super good version of what a beat-em-up is. Right. So uh, when we knew that we had access to that, like, uh, it was uh, thrilling, exciting. Um, And uh, at the same time, well, for me, like, because I'm writing uh, and doing the narrative design, I'm not with necessarily... I don't have the forehead sweat that the programmers or the animators (laughs) or the game designers will have because they are the ones who are truly like solving problems or solving the biggest problems to make like a fun, good game. But um, so for me, it was not as uh, stressful that it might've been for them, but I think we were all um, powered by our love of the, of the cartoon of the characters of the toys uh, of the games and um, also, with a, a sense of uh, we're the first type of game of pixelated, like beat em up turtle in games. Yeah. Like, we have to come correct. We have to be really, really good. Uh, now, or,
0: uh, if I'm correct, like some, some of the uh, members of your team worked for Ubisoft, and you mentioned Ubisoft yes. before. So they were also responsible for like the very infamous cult classic, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's true, um, from, yes. So yeah, you. I'm pretty sure some of that probably played upon this p- for sure, that experience. Yeah, well,
1: there was a, that was the previous beat-em-up experience. And you know, that was a really special project. Like I'm yeah. going to tell some of my, my friends the stories. Uh, um, first, I remember like, uh, I don't remember the precise year, but it was my birthday party. Mm-hmm. And a whole handful of my friends could not make it to my birthday party. And I didn't know why. And only... <laughs> I wasn't alone, but a whole handful, a whole subgroup was not there. And right. only one person of the sub, subgroup showed up and said, we're not here because we're working late at night because we're making a Scott Pilgrim demo. I came here to tell you <laughs> that's why we're, the rest of the gang is not here. And uh, I'm like, well, first, that's awesome. But also back, in, back then I was working uh, at another company uh, right. on uh, Twilight It. Yeah. So it was like our path took divergent courses, but uh, eventually it looped back in, and I got to work on TMNT. So it's all good. But yeah. uh, Also, there was a 2007 uh, Game Boy Advance game uh, um, that's based on the 2007 uh, animated movie uh, of the Turtles, like that. uh, Yes. Yes. Worked on, and that one is seen like as sort of an underrated TMNT gem, but. Mm both uh, Jonathan and GF uh, worked on it. it's like we liked what we did on that game but Mm -hmm. you couldn't do multiplayer you couldn't Mm -hmm. play as the four turtles so there was always like a part of the experience that was missing for them yeah and that uh yeah that that was missing for them and that they really wanted to get another try at it right so you talked
0: about how the development team had mm-hmm. a lot of pressure, but yeah. I mean, just overall, like, was there, you know, you're working on this great title and you're trying to, you know, make sure that it's accurate. Was there any pressure working on this, you know, working on the turtles game with the idea of pleasing the hardcore fans?
1: Um, I'll tell it not truly really because we're already hardcore fans. So it mm-hmm. has to work for us. Uh, On the level that we're hardcore friends of the Turtles, but also that uh, we need to make a game uh, that we are proud of. If not, uh, we all have to retire in shame and change our names. (laughs) And uh, so a lot of that pressure was just, we we already brought it to the party. So it, it, it was not like an exterior pressure, but I can tell you that when like the first trailer comes out and we see fan reaction and people are really hyped and they really reacted mm-hmm. now on my part. And I think for a lot of the team, it was, uh, it was like an energy boost. Like, Oh yeah. People know that this game exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're looking forward to it. Uh, they want to play it. And you know, for us, I think it was like really a, a shot of adrenaline and, Making sure that the game is as good as we want it to be, as exciting and as this, this and that. And uh, so the the pressure was uh, already self-imposed.
0: Right. Awesome. So, Yannick, um, as a script writer and narrative director of this awesome game, can you take us through the process of, you know, how you created the narrative? Like, how much of the 97 original series did you binge to make sure that this was accurate telling?
1: Well, I didn't need to, well, I I did my binging uh, back in the day after school. So uh, (laughs) I had a lot of it uh, uh, ingrained in me, but I did rewatch like a lot of it um, uh, more like uh, specific episodes because um, I can say like one thing about how uh, the the, the process works is that the creative director of the game uh, will say we have 16 levels uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, like, the 16th level is more of an arena where you fight a boss and uh, yeah. something like that. And there are already like vague teams for these levels. Like one is mm. New York city streets. One is this one is that. And um, they already have bosses. Right. So that's like the really basic skeleton that I have. So for each of these bosses, I would rewatch their episodes and uh, to get a feel like what happens in that episode and what's the first. Pers- the personality they have on, on the 87 cartoon cuz you know yeah. we um one thing i did is i we did it like 2 years ago so and it, in 2 weeks i feel like i read 10 years of the idw turtles comic like the, the oh IDW. yes yeah
0: really but, good series too
1: yeah yeah it's awesome it's it, it, it's so good it's so good yeah. and uh, um so i read that the whole 10 years and because it's a good uh uh meta turtles document because they they try to put every single vibe of every single adaptation within the, that comic right. so i thought oh that's a good way to try uh to do it for us but being mainly 87 cartoon as well because that's right. our main license so um so i would watch episodes to you know uh Get a feel of the voices and the characters and the mm-hmm. type of environments they're in, and from then on, when it's to actually write the game, uh, I pretty much I, what I did for a while is just write up a whole bunch of documents. Yeah, um, like initially, like I have the, the the master document with all the levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, each level has sort of a, a, a thumbnail a color sketch of what. Say for Baxter Stockman, we know he's going to yeah. be in the laboratory, so. Like, here's a bit what the laboratory looked like. So, and then what I do is I come up with a story that will uh, link all of this adventure Mm -hmm. and figure out how we're telling the story. Like one thing that we figure out is that we, I know that I have to keep to the rhythm of the arcade game. So I know that we don't have big dialogues in between levels. It has to be one image, uh, just like in the Konami arcade game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like the thing that we allow ourselves is have to have maybe a couple more voice clips and a slight animation in the image. But it has to be a a story that's communicated from one level to another with uh, image. And one thing also we decided is that within the levels, we could have a a bit of a mini story, like it's its own episode. Yeah. um, So that will often build up to the boss. The same, the same way the Simpsons arcade game. Yeah. Did. So, so basically,
0: I, that's interesting that you said that too, because that was going to be one of my other questions. And saying like that was the one of the things that really stood out to me with this game is how the stages and the storytelling was told throughout the stages and not through cutscenes and everything. So you got you know a lot of nostalgic moments. You got a lot of fanfare, comedic actions, and a lot of comedic action courtesy of the Foot Clan. Um, I can't stress enough how much I love the Foot Clan in this game, (laughs) everything that they were doing. But, you know, was, you know, was there any point of the, you know, creative process, you know, telling a story in a different way or you want it strictly, you know, to be exactly like the Konami games?
1: Uh, We wanted it to be like the Konami games because, again, um, these games are so dependent on their rhythm. Yeah, that it's uh, like the level design, uh, um, something like that, was really uh, smart. That our game designer Fred uh, would say is that we were talking about like uh, because we're published by WMU, we we'll also publish Streets of Rage Four. Like yeah. Streets of Rage is methodical. Like you walk up to an enemy and you beat the hell out of that enemy, and then you move on to the next. Right. For the the Turtle games, especially ours, but the previous Konami ones you have fleets of enemy showing up and you more have to control the crowd. So it's more yeah. about, it's almost like another kind of classic, like Gradius, like the shoot em up yes. with, the, with the ships. Yes. So you have to manage the, 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 the waves of enemies coming in. So, and that you realize how a level is dependent on that rhythm. Yeah. And then the storytelling has to have the same rhythm as well. So you can't, it has to be quick scenes that have, maybe a line of dial a funny line that pops up uh or mostly grunts and sounds and then you yeah. move on really quick to the next um next action beat mm-hmm. and it also allows for the to sort of renew uh the rhythm of the game so you you see like bebop doing something silly so you pause for an instant and then you get back into the fighting that right so, there yes that was so, the
0: subtlety that i loved about the game and it was just like it was it was great way of is a great way to tell a story in keeping the fluidity of the uh gameplay going you know you're still going at it but you're seeing something from a you know from the peripheral of your eye that's going on there that's adding on to the story element Mm -hmm. and it's just all right you keep going and the the story goes with it
1: yeah it's uh it's also like a, a um the way like we do a lot of unique uh animations for the for the foot soldiers like yeah. and they're really comical um <laughs> because um in if you play uh, there's a bit of that in the uh, in the old konami classics but uh, for a lot of that type of of games for that, yeah. that genre uh enemies will just appear from left to right right and at a certain point like that's a a type of rhythm but if you can make it that the uh, foot soldier was just lounging on the floor and then uh, wakes up in a funny way and gets ready to fight, yeah, then it's different from just showing up from left to right. And again, that subtly that changes the rhythm and it gets you more excited. Uh, the, the 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 sketch way of bringing in the characters instead of right. just having them spawn. So that's I thought that was one
0: of the things that really helped the replay value. Is that going wanted to go back in? to see what you missed in the first few times around. And I've already I'm every I'm up to Casey Jones at this point. Mm-hmm. So I have pretty much thought I've seen everything, but there's something different. And then every time I see it, there's a foot clan member doing something different, going shopping, eating um, popsicles or whatever. It reminded me of like the droids from um, from Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always you always find them doing something a little bit more common comedy based. And such like that. It was kind of like that, and I really enjoyed that part. It's like the Foot Clan is so over with me right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's just something really uh, uh, funny and silly about the the Foot Soldiers. Or they're really malleable. They're for me, there was also like uh, putties and Power Rangers that they yes. can be like extremely silly in that point, in that uh, uh, in that manner. But you don't mind meeting them up either. So right. So when once we knew like that was the way we were telling stories throughout the game then it was uh on my end is that uh, i would uh, go through each level and uh write up a certain visual progression for each mm-hmm. level like um i figure out what's the boss arena at the end where you fight mm-hmm. the boss and have the the characters like uh, build up the, the story sort of build up to it so say for the second level like we end on the bebop uh, on fighting at Rocksteady. Yeah. Uh, who's uh, has foot soldiers fixing up the turtle tenderizer, the four by four. Yes. And the four by four is going to be the villain in the next level, on, in the level three. Mm-hmm. So for me, I thought, oh, throughout the levels, um, we should see foot soldiers uh, steal parts of cars so that you understand that they're building up or fixing up the turtle tenderizer. And it right. should start with, uh, stealing wheels off the, the, the turtle wagon, the party right. wagon. And I thought like, Oh, so that's a good way to start it. And also because we were doing a classic sort of a sit New York city, uh, beat, turtles beat them up level. Yeah. I was thinking like, Oh, how can we make it different? And I remember like the first time I went to New York his um, uh, how many, uh, uh, parkings and rented parkings that you could go to. And some some of them were really stacked. And yeah. to me, that's a, a, a very New York thing, but you don't see that in cartoons or in movies, really. Right. So I thought that was a way of making a, a New York City level sort of different. Mm-hmm. And so I come up with a, a lot of uh, a visual ideas like that for levels. I write a huge document uh, for that with a lot of research. Like, uh, because the cartoon is in '87, like it exists in this '87 to '92 uh, uh, timeframe for me. Yeah. So I would pick out like uh, research stuff from uh, from those times, and uh, give that, uh, write a big document, give that to the artists, and the artists uh, who are the ones who have to draw that stuff. Like they pick the things that interest them the most, and that they feel that's gonna fit the best. Yeah, and from that they they drop the level and stuff like that uh the game designers will sometimes see something that they really like like oh we could make something out of that and then i would uh, write out um places where the foot soldiers could pop up like what could happen and then i would storyboard these and send them uh to the to the artists uh not Great, great storyboards but you know so people <laughs> then can figure out like where to put the animations and stuff like that right and i would do the same for the uh, sort of story cut scenes of let's say seeing uh bebop run around with uh, something or seeing a foot soldier steal uh, a, an yeah. agent block so that's what i did and i did that uh roughly 15 times over uh for the the, the whole for every level And um, then on top of that, the other stuff was writing lines when we knew that we had uh, voice acting in the game. And that was like a lot of work that I did. Uh, I'm sure. How long did the project take overall? It's, I feel like it's now going to be like a bit more than two years, which is a short time for that type of project. Um, Especially one that is like, it's pretty animation heavy. Like that's our animation heaviest game that we did yet. I mean, you can see like all the playable characters. The frame,
0: yeah, the pixel frames is just amazing.
1: Yeah, they're all, uh, you know, they have such unique animations. So that took a long time. Uh, You know, it was handy that uh, there's already a tradition of, foot soldiers villainy uh, throughout the game because that means we could reuse like a lot of the foot soldier it was not it didn't feel it feel appropriate it did not feel cheap but it would help out uh, us uh, a lot so but it was still like a short time to do uh, a game like that especially since we were in the pandemic and we are we were trying to figure out how to all work like through discord and stuff like that instead of all being in the office yeah, the pandemic about, uh,
0: really tested game developers, especially indie game developers, out. Like, a lot of the game developers that I spoke with uh, during 2020, like uh, Supergiant Games and Greg Casavan and them, where they did ha- uh, ha- um, Hades, mm-hmm. to do that during a pandemic is something of, like, unbelievable that you could yeah. do that, how, how you were able to do that from afar and not in the studio and everything. And y- you guys did the same thing here. It's
1: amazing. Yeah, well, there was a... a- I don't know if it helped us or if it motivated us up more because we were like, we have to make like also make it a really good multiplayer experience that brings people together, but we're all like, we're all (laughs) apart. So I don't know if it made us somehow work extra extra hard uh, to to to. Deliver that.
0: I would definitely say extra, extra hard is an understatement here. Mm-hmm. But you you mentioned earlier about voices. And yeah. for this game, you brought back the core turtles team. You got Cam Clark, Leonardo, Townsend Coleman is Michelangelo, Barry Gordon is Donatello, and of course the great Rob Pawson, aka Yacko from Animaniacs as Raphael, all yes. to come back, with the exception of, of course, you know, the late great James Avery as Shredder. He, you know, fortunately. Uh, he's no longer around, but that would have been awesome too. But the shredder voice that we had was also great.
1: Mm-hmm. But how important was it to acquire their talents for this game? Um, I can tell you that that's something that our good friends at .MU, uh worked out for us because, um, like, for for the longest time, like I we didn't know if we were going to have voice acting in the game, or you never can be sure because. Uh, um, Detailed voice acting is what we would call a a nice to have. Yeah, you know it's a it's a nice to have feature. Like if you can have the the budget, if you can have the right actors, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's definitely a nice to have. And maybe you don't all the way need it for games. Like I was saying earlier, like the the Konami games don't have that many voice acting, and they're really cool. So right. after a while, like we were told, like uh, our, our friends at like figured out like casting agencies and stuff like that mm-hmm. that we'd have voice acting so that was really exciting but again uh we were like oh uh, we'll see what happens with that but once we knew that we'd get like the original voices of the turtles now that got that was a really uh huge thrill for me because i was i sat in on the recording session like it was oh, a, a zoom wow. type of thing <laughs> and uh you know i had written like a, a whole bunch of lines and uh then uh, fred the game designer he's like if we get these guys like we we gotta add add more for them and he came up with oh we can have like a um the playable characters can say uh, a line that relates to the level uh they're playing right. in when you when you enter the game like I, right. we could add that it would not be interesting if it would work so uh but uh write 15 other lines for tomorrow We're like yes i will and then um <laughs> sitting on the, the the actual like recording session like with them was really really great i mean they're they're geniuses uh you can tell that these performances mean a lot to them yeah and uh of course i silent, but i It's not like I could give them notes because they they know it better than I do. Sometimes I could just say like, oh, this is a special attack. So like you're extra proud, like a bit of gusto at the end and that's going to be fine. And they would just do three versions that were all super great, but Mm -hmm. also add these subtle differences. Uh, And um, no, but for me, like, and for all of us, like getting the... uh, uh, the, also one thing is that it was sort of my responsibility because I was running these lines, but uh, everyone else was so busy in making the game. Like they could not make it to the, the recording session. So yeah. uh, everyone was, was real jealous, but later on, like <laughs> your I, own personal fan moment. <laughs> it, it was my own comic-con panel because <laughs> I just saw them perform <laughs> and then I got to tell them how great they are, uh, how wonderful they are. Um, but Here's to you on it. Yes. (laughs) When the week, or the the voice clips came in a week later, I would see my coworkers reactions, them in the chat, like going like, oh, this is good. This is really great. Oh, this is exciting. Like people were really into it. And uh, for us, it's, it really feels like uh, getting knighted by the queen uh, because uh, we're part of the Commonwealth. I'm in Canada. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) uh, It's, it feels like, a seal of authenticity or that is extremely special and that makes our game somehow more legit or canon because I, it's
0: their voice. I can totally empathize with you on that notion. I've had my moments, it's my milestone moments as well.
1: But... No, it's, it's just like a, 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 for me, like also, I like it, it also like I, I could play God with canon because one of the things like uh, that, the, the special moves that they, the turtles do like some of them are their move from, uh, from tournament fighters, the, yes. you know that. and um, these, these moves have names, uh, but they're only in the instruction booklet, I believe. Mm-hmm. So for me to have Barry Gordon's Donatello shout out striking vortex when he actually does the striking vortex, it's, it's like, <laughs> Tournament Fighters is canon now. <laughs> I made it that way because Barry Gordon Donatello says it. And uh, that makes me feel uh, powerful. And uh, Which is can-
0: one of my favorite other Turtles games, by the way. So thank you for that.
1: <laughs> it's really like, it, I feel like it came out in the shadow of the, of the fighting game boom. So it's sort of underrated. Uh, oh, I loved it.
0: it. I, I will play, And I'm so glad that actually they're bringing it back soon so um i am looking very much forward to that because when i had my any uh you talk about the super nes one right or the family yeah, yeah. that's right?
1: the one that's the that's the one i played but the 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 ness one i feel like was probably like a a solid late NES yeah game like for near the end but again it went sort of underseen because it was near the the, the nintendo's the transition
0: time. of yeah absolutely so we got to see Many cameo appearances and references in the game mm-hmm. ranging from the original 1987 series, the, uh, a reference from the first NES Turtles game, if I'm correct, even familiar characters from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 to Secret of the Use, which I thought was just absolutely plain awesome. Um, were there any characters or Easter eggs that you uh, left out that you wanted to bring in? Because I'm pretty sure there was so
1: much. Um, there are a lot. There are really uh, a lot of them, but at the same time like um like i just talked about uh, uh playing god uh mm-hmm. well that's at, at a certain point you have to restrain yourself because you can't ask an animator whose job is to uh keep making actual playable characters actual right. playable content to go ah, it'd be nice if Mondo gecko was back there right you know like that's, <laughs> you, you, you can't ask uh, people who Work on making actual gameplay stuff to indulge yeah. uh, your your nerd ideas of especially having... when you have
0: a, a a constricted amount of time frame and everything. And
1: yeah, exactly. So there there's a lot of these things that I wanted, and not not just me, but the other artists yeah. and the other game designers. Like everyone had ideas because we wanted to put in the game, like putting your favorite action figure uh, in the game or your favorite vehicle that you had as a kid like it's yeah. all stuff we wanted to do but we had to restrain ourselves because again uh, as much as we are big fans and it's a dream this has to be a really good beat them up first yeah and that's where you have to put the resources first um like i can sing all day long like i wish Jenica from the idw <laughs> comics was a playable character but <laughs> We don't have like, it takes so much, so long to, <laughs> to make these characters. Like we can't have Jenica in there.
0: So you just read my mind and it segues to my next question. <laughs> we we got our core characters like Splinter mm-hmm. or April O'Neil, Casey Jones for the first time ever to be playable in a beat them up. Many fans and me included mm-hmm. went on social media, just mentioning characters off the bat and everything. You've answered my pick. <laughs> for a character, I want to see in here. Was there any? What was the? What was like the the character that most people or that most fans were requesting? Because I know you just mentioned Jenica was like a favorite when I read the IDW uh, books, mm-hmm. and, but I also understand that you guys were trying to you know stay with the retro aspect of the game. So like, you know, what was the one that most people were thinking? And was it to the same? And I know Case Jones was a very popular one too. Yeah. What yeah. else did it's- you hear?
1: Casey Jones is the most It popu- was the most popular, and I had to lie to my teeth uh, at pe- to people at PAX, and say like, ah, maybe if we get to the DLC, maybe it's gonna be in there. I don't know." Uh, knowing knowing full well that he is going to be uh, unlockable at launch, but uh, don't you love those
0: NDA moments?
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the thing is, it we we had to keep it a secret because surprises like these you need to keep them in your back pocket for yes. promotional leverage. Absolutely. So, so you can show up uh, on a on a big 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 media and say, "Hey, we have this exclusivity to 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 share uh, through you." Yeah, but you know, a lot of people like they they. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, uh, they want a lot of characters. I feel like sometimes people are like, "I love Karai from." 2003 yeah. animated and she's in uh the 2012 one as well but she's not in 87 but right. there's Lotus Blossom who's sort of karai-ish but not really and, mm-hmm. um so there are a lot of demands but as of right now like we're not doing the DLC we uh we're putting all of our forces uh, on uh bug fixing and the bug squashing and right. uh, and that type of stuff so uh I'll tell you that it's really um it's really nice that the, a game is not even out for a week yet and people want the LC. It's so um, passionate.
0: It, yeah. Yeah. Again, so that, again it's the it's the, uh, it's the fan legacy of the Turtles. I mean, the franchise mm-hmm. is just, I don't think we take time to realize how big of a franchise the Turtles is and how long they've lasted through different iterations of them. It's an extremely, it like, you can almost compare that to Pokemon in some cases.
1: Uh yeah, well, also it's it's really interesting because not every characters or franchises got have a video game lane, yeah. And like the turtles, they there are really different uh games. Uh, but I feel like they have a lane of their own in the beat-em-up genre, the yeah. same way that you know, uh, there were a lot of uh Batman games, some of them really nice, but uh, the Batman Arkham games, like, just created it sort of a, a new lane for video game Batman yes. in a way. So not every character get their own sort of path uh, in that way, and the turtles have it. So uh, like it's cool for us to be part of it now. And yeah. again, it's really really humbling that people already want DLC and they want more of what we made, but um, it's not something we are working on right now because again, uh, as much energy as we put in the game, there are still, you know, there's some technical hiccups and uh, we have to fix those. And uh, that's what the the, the team is hard at work uh, right now. Right.
0: So Yannick, thank you so much. I got two more questions for you, but this has been a great pleasure having you on and learning about Everything that you do and our listeners and our watchers and everything, learning about what you guys have done and everything. So thank you for that. My pleasure. How did the how did the idea for the soundtrack featuring of all people, Ray Kwan, a chef Coast Face Killer, and a good friend of mine, Megaran, who mm-hmm. is the voice of my podcast every week, and actually you'll hear his voice in the beginning of this uh podcast as well. Um he he appears everywhere. I, I'm never I'm never surprised at anything that Mega Ren does. But how did this come about? This was an amazing addition to this whole entire thing, and not let alone get to hear them in the game during boss battles and credit scenes and everything.
1: Uh, I think Mega Ren is uh, T lopes who reached out to him. Yeah, uh, the wonderful T Loops. Uh, oh, he's awesome. He's just he's brilliant. Uh, yeah, Streets of Rage uh, soundtrack too was really great. Yeah, but he, he, he's a genius, and uh, the thing I, I always want to say is that uh, uh, for uh, someone of his talent, uh, you'd forgive him if he was not as nice of a guy, but he's extremely nice and humble. He's a sweetheart. I got to hang out with him a couple of times, both at PAX, and he came to Montreal so we can shoot some uh, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff for the game, mm-hmm. so a gentleman and a scholar so i think he's mm-hmm. the one who reached out to megaran as for wu-tang clan that's something our friends at the uh did they uh they wished upon a star and uh it happened uh i can tell you that i don't know that any of us at montreal would have been like let's try it because it seems, <laughs> it it's just so, so out of away. like out of nowhere <laughs> but uh, the you guys did, and uh, it it worked out. So I I don't know how to you how to uh, they summoned uh, Wu Tang Clan, but I'm yeah. glad they did because for a while like I didn't know about this. And when they right. came to to Montreal to shoot the behind the scenes stuff, like we got started talking, and he uh, uh, Cyril Imbert, uh, who's the CEO at, at Darmiul, and uh, the, yeah. a, a, a great guy and a Moscow mule aficionado. Yeah. So uh, if you ever see him somewhere, you offer him a Moscow mule and you will take it and drink it. he um, see, just off mentioned often. And, and then I'll probably then we'll have the Wu Tang thing. And I'm like, what is the Wu Tang thing? I like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, we got uh, people from the Wu Tang to do a track on the, on the game. Like, mm. And then I at first I was like, I didn't want to seem too thirsty for details. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, that'll happen. But I mean there are a lot of people in Wu Tang clan, so they could have gotten a combo of different guys, but absolutely fact, and it would have worked. <laughs> yes. But the fact that it was uh Ghostface and Raekwon, like <laughs> that was really, really big. That's
0: right. a really heavy combo right there, I if mean, any in that
1: I, in that clan. <laughs> I still have like the champ as from Fish Scale as in my workout mix and running mixes because it 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 always works. So right, right. <laughs> knowing that he like he sang the shredder parts uh, of that song. That was amazing.
0: It was it was uh, like it was you you, you guys came out with this game and mm-hmm. that was big enough. And then on top of it, this, this was I can't even say this was the cherry on top. This was a cake on top of a cake.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was a delicious cake hidden within the cake. Uh, and I it, guess maybe
0: a pizza on top of that, or I guess, it was, to mm-hmm. some extent, but Last question, and this was a this is a very interesting one. Fan fan misconceptions mm-hmm. is something that is very common in pop culture of uh, these days. With that said, can you please clear up this and explain this? Clear the air with this whole thing. Shredders Revenge, and you kind of said you mentioned it earlier during your discussion, but Shredders Revenge was announced in Nintendo's Indie World, yeah, uh, the showcase, and many fans. We're confused and wondering how a game based on an iconic franchise that is in partnership with Nickelodeon can be considered an indie game. So, with that said, can you please explain to our listeners or watchers what makes Shredder's Revenge qualified as an indie game? Educate. It's made,
1: it's made by a company that employs fifteen people. <laughs> nope, that's said. how. That's how it's an indie game. <laughs> and I would say, like a a a good group of. Um, uh, freelancers as well because uh, it, like it it if it was just only 15 of us it'd still be in production it would not yeah. be out but uh, yeah it's it's an indie game because we're a small company and I feel of course I worked on it and I'm super proud of, the, of it and I think it's special but it feels like the fan reaction uh, uh, bears out that it is special in its own way and I right. feel like one of the reasons it's that with we got to do to put a lot of love and care into it yeah and I feel like that happens for um with franchises mm-hmm. uh because we were a smaller um a smaller team working on something that we uh, truly loved which yeah. it doesn't always happen with uh, franchise gaming it, right. it, so we are really really lucky I mean uh, it's either, I think these that special alchemy in bigger companies will happen if they're creating their own characters. Like yeah. to me, like I'm really late in playing it, but I've been playing uh, Horizon Zero Down. Okay, oh, yeah, it's wonderful. It's oh, wonderful, but it, yeah. it's made by a company that's like almost 400 people. But yeah. it's only when a big company creates their own thing that they can really create something special. So when you get a bigger company working on a big franchise, you don't always get that love and care. I can yeah. tell you, going back to Scott Pilgrim, like a lot of, uh, when, during the development, uh, the development of Scott Pilgrim was pretty tricky because again, Ubisoft did not own uh, Scott Pilgrim. That was Universal Pictures. Right. And uh, they said to my friends, well, we are going to ship it off to Ubisoft uh, Chengdu in China and they're going to finish the game. Uh, Because it's just gonna be more, um, it's gonna be more efficient money-wise for us to do so. And you know, Ubisoft was like, "eh, that's it." But a whole bunch of my friends went to China for six, seven, eight months to keep finish the game over there because they really wanted to make it work. And you know, that's the type of passion that you need to make these type of games work and that's why the scott pilgrim came out so well and i feel that's also why uh tmnt worked out so well because we were all passionate and put our hearts into it
0: yeah well with that said yes you did and because of that i thank you as a turtle fan as a fan of gaming and as a fan of indie game developers because i've interviewed a lot of developers and heard their stories and i love the story because I've had my own story of how I wanted to do things, improve my worth to the world and be creative as well. So I had to go on my own and do things. So I love the stories of the, of the uh, indie game development industry and how it's just more artistic and creative. And for you guys to get this opportunity to prove that you can, and you did kudos to you. And uh, thank you for this. This is probably the most enjoyable game this year of 2022. And I'll tell you this also, Like I said, I had Greg Casavan back when uh, Hades was out. And I said this to him, I don't want to, you know, you know, put smoke up anybody. But uh, if this doesn't get nominated, (laughs) let alone win any awards this year, I will be so upset because what you guys have been able to do and capture the essence of the not only the series, but the the actual Konami games from the past, but also supersede it and improving on it it's phenomenal you guys did great uh, thank you so very much for that
1: Uh thank you very much dax uh this uh was a pleasure not just because uh, uh you said a whole lot of compliments about our <laughs> games for almost an hour but it was a really nice chat so thank you for that
0: no problem so uh before we go um what's next for um what should we be looking for next for tribute games
1: um well we're uh Right now, like I said, like we're working on uh, patches and making sure that the game runs uh, smoother and better. So that's mm-hmm. going to be it, and uh, we'll have to uh, turn our eyes towards the future, see uh, what we're doing next. So we all have like a bunch of ideas for um, uh, new games because, again, like as a uh, an indie uh, uh, company, like uh, we have to create our own work. So we want to keep working on our own games. Absolutely. Um, I, I guess it's possible that. Uh, this game opens some doors uh, for us, and that maybe other uh, franchises might knock at our door and say, right. "Can you do this for our game? for right. for our characters?" But um, I guess that will depend if we're passionate about it and if we uh, if it's something that we love. Like, say, we would have done a beat em up eventually. So on top of the turtles being a dream. Uh, assignment it right. works well with the idea of making a beat him up but you know other characters like that would depend like uh, so we'll see and if not like again we always have our next projects that uh, we'll announce in time but uh, yeah. we we have it I feel like that's something that's pretty tough for us is that we sort of want to touch every genre right and so you sort of are always rebuilding the sandcastle like I guess if yeah. we, if we were smarter, I guess we sh- we should have just picked the lane and keep and keep like iterating on it. Oh no, I do I do the
0: same thing but, too. I, I you know as a graphic designer myself, it, like people try to you know conform you to one aspect of graphic design. No, I didn't. I grew up like I want my hands on everything. I yeah, want to yeah, try yeah. everything. You you can't just limit yourself. You never know what you're gonna come up with.
1: Yeah, so, so I get it. So uh that's what's in the future for now like more games uh, uh, uh and uh, but in the meantime making sure that the Shredder's Revenge uh runs better.
0: Well, here's to you and here's to hoping that the next game that you make has a character named Dax. I'm just putting it out there. But okay. <laughs> um, real quick before we go let um, our listeners and our watchers know where they can find Tribute Games.
1: Uh, you can find Tribute Games uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Tribute Games. Our website is TributeGames.com uh, where you can see the rest of our uh, wonderful catalog, uh, including a whole bunch of games that I also did narrative design on and that I'm really proud of. Uh, so uh, check these out. And um, yeah, that's it. If you want to uh, see what the, the old uh, uh, Tribute Games is up to.
0: Awesome. And definitely go out of your way to check them out. You, like I said, if you love uh what they did with the turtles you're gonna love the other games as well especially if you're a retro game uh gamer like myself so yannick thank you it's been a pleasure it's been awesome folks i hope you really enjoyed this special episode of talk time live exclusive on behalf of myself and yannick all i gotta say is learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live take care